0: Before beginning this week's episode, I do want to caution listeners. This week's conversation includes details of gun violence and discussion around suicide. Welcome to episode 118 of the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum, and I am so glad you're here. This week, I sit down with Rashawn Copeland, and oh my goodness. You are in for a transformation story that will leave you praising God for his presence and redemption of our lives. I launched Grace Enough to encourage people that God can use any story to impact his kingdom. And today, you will hear a story that involves a teen boy being shot and left for dead, a star athlete whose dreams were crushed. A hype man for hip-hop artist Soldier Boy, who found himself empty, alone, and ready to end it all. Until, ding, ding, his phone lit up. And he said yes to the God who had been extending his hand to him for decades. Listen to the end to hear how God's grace truly is enough for you and me and Rashawn. When you finish, share this episode with one friend who needs to be reminded that hope is not lost. God is and will always be changing, transforming, and redeeming lives. Good morning, Rashawn, and welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast.
1: Good morning, Amber. I really appreciate you. It's just a a humbling, humbling thing to be on your show. I'm excited to connect with you even more.
0: Yeah, we have. We've connected a little over on Clubhouse, which is nice. It's like, well, we could go on about that for a while. It's a fun platform.
1: I enjoyed it. It's like a live podcast in a way, these
0: it is. I, I like- mean, I have i've I've backed off a little bit because, in some ways, I kept going into rooms that set, felt like the same thing over and over again. So I've been kind of trying to search out some things where it's more conversational and not so much just q and a. I don't know about you. but um, It's been likewise, yeah. So it takes some navigating, but, anyways, we'll tell everybody because I know not all of our listeners know you. And so, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your family and what you do on a daily basis.
1: Awesome. So, first and foremost, uh, I like to consider myself a son you know, a son to a great heavenly father who happens to be a husband and and a dad. And it's one of the most, most. I, I love fatherhood's the best of, it, but I love being a husband. It's one of the most fulfilling things though, to be able to uh, lead and love and, and, shepherd a family. And I need God's help every day in that. But yeah, my wife's name is Denise. She's a Puerto Rican cutie from Puerto Rico. What yeah. She lives in uh, Oklahoma now from Florida. Uh, she spent a lot of time in Florida in between her time, in Puerto Rico and, here. So, and then I got a lot of kids just back to back to back. <laughs> I mean, three under three. Come on now. Oh, the Lord knows gosh. I need help. Lord knows my wife needs it as well, so, <laughs> so we're trying to navigate those waters. Oh <laughs> my gosh, amazing. that's
0: so awesome! I know. Yeah. Well, with it, when it comes to the kids, I'm just like I had a friend, and we actually lived in Tampa for eight years, and so very familiar with all kinds of areas of Florida. But um, my husband is from that area as well. But we had this friend who had five boys under the age wow. of six at one point, and I just used to think if she can do it, I can live life with my three you know like if she can do it I can do it
1: (laughs) isn't that cool like all we need is one person to like model it and walk it out and give us those moments to cherish and see and then we can do it we we get that strength to do it as well
0: that's right it helps us walk forward so what do you do every day
1: I would say I'm a minister who writes and a writer who preaches. I spend a lot of time online, social media, yeah. uh, sharing the gospel, the love of God uh, through content and just experiences uh, with encounters with folks. And I just love it because I feel like we're living in the uh, largest communication shift since the printing press, like yeah. with social yeah, being that evolving piece. And I just feel like if we want to reach people right now with the great, greatest message of all time, which is the gospel, we need to meet them, not where, you know, we want them to be, which is through our church doors, quote unquote, our, in a, this small group that we're doing, but right where they are, where their attention is online. And I just feel indebted to do so because God met me there. When That's I was right. And we're going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: I'm excited. And I would just encourage anybody who's listening. If you are a TikTok fan or an Instagram fan, I mean, Rashawn is the person to follow because he is encountering people and just asking them sometimes what they think about Jesus. (laughs) Do they know Jesus? It's so fun. It's encouraging. And we'll talk about that a little bit. And so as we dive into your story, let's go back to childhood. Tell me a little about your childhood. And did you grow up in a Christian family?
1: Childhood, well, let me first start off by saying this. Um, God is gracious. He's so gracious. I don't deserve to be where I am right now as I reflect where I am right now. Like, Mm -hmm. no one could have told me that um, I would have been a Christian, better yet, a Christian, like online pastor or author. Like, no one could have told me that. So I'm shocked at that in and of itself by the grace, the mercy, and the goodness of God. Uh, But I did grow up in a house that practiced sort of uh, religiosity in a way. My dad was Muslim. My mom was practicing. She was a Baptist. And I don't know how that managed or that worked out. I know my dad became a Muslim later, though. You okay. know, he he's more agnostic. And then he became a, a Muslim. And they were actually still married. So... We know what the scripture says, or what Jesus says: a house divided amongst itself will fall. So we had a lot of, uh, a lot of tension and chaos within our home, uh, which. I really couldn't put, stick a finger to because I was just trying to get an understanding of my own life and my own problems. And I would see uh, my parents' problems so evident in my life. But here's what uh, really got to me. I would hear messages when I would walk through church doors about you know, the gospel, how this guy named Jesus, uh, who was a perfect, perfect, stainless, spotless lamb of God, who came to take away the sins of the world and The way he did that was by going on the cross, living a perfect life and going on a cross and dying a brutal death for me. He was my substitute. I was supposed to be there. And and then, yeah, that sort of played in my mind in a way throughout the X amount of years of my life. But it didn't take root because I was out doing what I wanted to do. A hedonist, acting a fool, Uh, was a star athlete in high school and uh, was, you know, seeing what was modeled in front of me, you know, guys, teammates, you know, drinking alcohol, marijuana, sex before marriage, all that stuff was a part of my story. Uh, But then one night God uh, opened my eyes to the brevity of life and more of, yeah, it's just, he really got me my senior year, some major seeds
0: planted. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. I think sometimes, and, and I know exactly what you're talking about with the like I kind of refer to it as cultural Christianity in the sense of, um, maybe uh, not in your culture as far as in where you grew up, but even in, in my home, like there were religious things modeled, but it wasn't like a walk with Jesus that I saw every day. And so it didn't feel like it was important, like it maybe should have been, or what I'm trying to do with my family.
1: So true.
0: Well, and so tell me, because you were a football player with the opportunity really before you to more than likely go to a division one school to play sports which was your dream we know I mean if you can go back to your high school years anybody listening if you were an athlete I mean it's it was hard not to have your identity wrapped up in that but yeah, something happened super. and those aspirations were zapped what happened
1: quickly quickly you know, one cataclysmic encounter changed everything. I remember, you know, I was getting ready to sign that National Letter of Intent, so pumped about it, so excited. No one could stop, you know, sort of my uh, my, 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 zeal and passion about, you know, going to the next level and fulfilling my dream again to the NFL. Uh, but then something happened. Uh, whenever I was hanging out at a park after dark with this young lady uh, that I was, in love with, in a way, <laughs> I was in love with this girl, and uh, I had just met her a couple weeks before that. I knew about her from the school, but needless to say, here's what really matters: is that that night we were talking to each other and joined each other's company, and all of a sudden, her phone rings, brrr, brrr, and then I, I look over, you know, me being the prideful, egotistical future college football star current high school football player, I I wanted to take her phone and just be like, because I knew it was a guy that I had seen on MySpace previously. Yeah, man, (laughs) MySpace. Back in the day, yeah, and I knew uh, it was her ex-boyfriend, because the name was recognizable, and again, I took her phone out of pride, and was like, hello, hello, um, and then he comes on. He's like, why are you with my girl? Why are you with my girl? And I'm like, hold on. This is not your girl, dude. Calm down. This is my girl. She with me, bro. And then we just go back and forth. We get into a dog fight, And out of nowhere, uh, he's like, where you at? And me, out of my pride, my ego, which was such an unwise thing to do, thing to do gave him our location, we told him where we were. Uh, we're at Holcomb Park, which is in Lawrence, Kansas. And Um, unbeknown to me, uh, you know, I hang up the phone and I get back to listening to 50 Cent Get Rich or Die Trying, crazy album, rap album. And we're vibing, doing what high schoolers do. And all of a sudden, er, a van peels in 10 minutes later and five guys jump out of the van. I ain't talking about burgers, but five guys jump out of the van. They start walking towards us. All of a sudden, I'd say, hey, chill, chill here. And I get out the car and I'm fearfully getting out, but pridefully getting out. You know, me being that high school player, I know how to fight this and that, quote unquote. I'm out of my mind at this point because I'm scared, you know, uh, because these, this five different dudes, you know, and I don't got none of my homeboys there. So I'm walking (laughs) towards them. They're walking towards me. And then my heart's beating out of my chest. My mind's racing. Um, And this guy at the front reaches for a waistband. And he pulls out a pistol. He waves the gun in the air. <gasps> I I just stopped stop in my place. And I turned and I ran once I caught my thought. And I slipped and I fell. He stood over me. Boom. Boom. Two gunshots ring out. I began to scream out. And they go and run. I could get up fast as I could. Take off. I don't know if I've been shot at this point. Adrenaline's pumping. My heart, again, is beating out of my chest. My mind's racing. I jump over at the... Left side of the car. I look up. The young girl is gone. The door is wide open. The girl's not there anymore. And as I'm looking back, I see these headlights coming my way, and they're turning. And the only thing came to mind is like these dudes are about to jump out. They're gonna they're finish killing. me off. They're gonna kill me. This is my last day on this planet. So I'm nervous out of my mind. As time went, uh, the van eventually peeled out. So it's pitch dark. Thankfully, they didn't come in and finish me off, but I didn't know I was shot until this moment. I felt this cold semen underneath me. And all of a sudden this warm liquid came up my back. It was blood, (sighs) felt warm blood coming up my back. And at that moment I knew um, I was at the darkest, lowest, messiest moment of my life. And all I could do um, is cry out. You know, my coaches weren't there. My friends weren't Mm -hmm. there. My brothers weren't there. The girl wasn't there only one I could call out to was God. And he heard my cry, you know, mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful way how he responded. But I'm always reminded of this, though. Uh, David in the book of Psalms, in his darkest, his murkiest, dirtiest moment, uh, the Bible says in Psalms 40, he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard his cry.
0: Mm mm-hmm.
1: He, he picked him up out of the mud and mire. He set his foot upon a rock, gave him a firm place to stand. But I'm so thankful that God hears our cries. And
0: yeah. the way he
1: did that, he brought somebody uh, about 20 minutes later after I'm weaving in and out of consciousness. I'm on the verge of death.
0: Yeah. Um, and did you have a cell phone with you? Well, I
1: had a cell phone, but it cracked.
0: Okay. It cracked
1: when I fell down. So it was inoperable. <laughs> yeah like I couldn't right right, right. Couldn't do anything with it you know yeah so all I was literally left to was to the Lord to cry out and call out to him.
0: Hey grace enough podcast listeners, I can't wait to tell you about an amazing new resource I've found. kaleidoscope. Their vision is so cool. They help kids and parents bridge the gap between storybook Bibles and adult translations. Adult translations are typically written at a high school level or higher, but Kaleidoscope retells every book of the Bible in beautifully designed and illustrated single volumes with the elementary aged kids in mind. Our family has some of their books and we love them. This month, they have two amazing new releases. Over the River, The Story of Joshua And their first volume in the Minor Prophets, Sound the Alarm, written by the hysterical and talented Caroline Saunders. Go ahead and visit ReadKaleidoscope.com where you can take 10% off today with the code GRACE. You can also find them on Instagram at Read.Kaleidoscope to learn more. Kaleidoscope, the new kid in kids' Bibles. And so you did, you were crying out to him. You're 17 years old. You end up surviving no football. It's over. But the reality is even still at that point, you cry out to God, but you don't really stick with God.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, and, And isn't that, that's a lot of our stories. Like God hears us, but it takes him really knocking on the door. And he is so gracious to just keep extending the offer.
1: So true. So true. That's because you, mercy. so did
0: you walk with him at all after that? Or was it just kind of like, okay, I'm getting a little bit better. Um, and now I'm off. I, I've decided I'm going to LA to be with my yeah. cousin.
1: I love that question. I love that, Amber. So immediately, immediately after that, um, I began to entertain the idea of God. I was interested in, in um, knowing more about him. But here's the thing here's why. Discipleship and being rooted Mm. in an environment and fellowship is so important. The Psalm says this in Psalms 1 Blessed is he who does not walk in step with the wicked, nor take the way that sinners take, nor sit in the company of mockers, but blessed is he who delights in the law of the Lord, for Mm. he'll be prosperous and successful in all he does. So My problem was two things. One, I didn't have the word of God. Didn't even know where to start when I got into the word of God. (laughs) Two, I was so caught up in the pain of losing everything that I once had. The scholarships, you know, I was getting phone calls. They don't want to bring in a college athlete that is an ex-gang member into our school. They just got, we don't want that for our school. So I was just dealing with idols being stripped from me and, and dealing with those dark moments. So I wasn't going to walk into a church and find new community unless I had someone there to walk with me and disciple me. And I didn't have that. So I would found myself hanging out with those guys that Psalms one says, don't hang out with like Mm. the ones who walk and step away. Matter of fact, it got worse because I was fearing for my life. As far as from the standpoint, I had to go through trials and you know, different, like actual, like lawyers and, yeah, trump- yeah. Uh, and I had to go to court because of this guy and, you know, I had to testify and things like that. So I wanted to be protected around dudes I know who was out on the streets doing their thing just in case something were to happen to me. So I was influenced more for gangs and things like that after that.
0: Okay. So pause for just a second. So at 17, had you already been involved in gangs or did that come after you were shot?
1: That came after I was shot. Here's what I was involved with. I was with the student athletes and all that, like all that good stuff. But outside of the confines, I was two faced. I was a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. I had the athletic side of Rashawn. Then on the outside, I would run with the boys in the streets Mm. out there doing all the reckless stuff. But I tried to, you know, really conform to this Rashawn more, you know, the athletic more but it's just tough. Whenever you, you grow up in the hood, I was in the hood. Yeah. Uh, even though my dad did his best, as far as he was in the military, he was doing great things, but we weren't on no a military base protected and safe and comfortable. Yeah. We were in some of the lower end of the, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hood. Yeah. So then I, and I know exactly what you're talking about, being an athlete, you, it's really really hard for your identity to not get wrapped up in that because yeah. as a young, it doesn't matter when you're playing sports. It's, It's just the way it is. And if you've played a sport and you love a sport, you understand because so much of your time is spent doing that. So you have these two lives, that life gets stripped away. And so when that life gets stripped away, you begin feeling all that time as well with those people outside of the athletic world is what I'm hearing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Okay.
0: So how long did that last? Like 17 till what before you... Um, are gonna kind of lead us into what made you decide to go on out to Los Angeles?
1: Transitioning from that moment at 17, what ended up happening uh, is I spiraled uh, into more of that darkness. But here's what I love is that I began to have more people come into my life, which was the coach that cared about me, my high school coach. He became, and he's still in my life to this day. He's I a love wonderful it. man of God. Uh, but what ends up happening, he ends up saying, "Rashawn, we know you lost your opportunities to the major schools, but we want to get you opportunity into junior college." Yeah, and junior college was a place where you know guys either they weren't talented enough to necessarily go to the Division One school, or they didn't have the financial backing or the scholarships from the Division One schools, just in general that they wanted to go to, or they were dudes in the city acting a fool and had low grades and they yep. needed a way to you know sort of get ready prepare for the That's big right. school so when i went there i found myself with tons of different peoples from different backgrounds from all these cities across the world and i began uh yeah to get around good influences Our fca program impacted me drastically well me too all- yeah yeah so that was huge for me, and they sort of got me on the right way, started planting seeds, and I end up eventually uh signing to University of Kansas uh which was back God redeemed it, he brought me back, so it was football becoming a idol again for me in a way, but eventually uh after going to University of Kansas, I end up going back down a division two at University of Central Oklahoma. And and the cataclysmic moment came here, you know, so it was, I mean, you know, like the big moment where it's like, I'm, I'm going down the right path now. Like I've had people come in my life, speak into my life, show me the word of God, the importance of, you know, uh, getting to know him and things like that. But still, I have my doubts and things like that. And you
0: haven't surrendered.
1: I haven't surrendered fully. And I love why that's what your podcast is really about is, you know, being transformed and change and re- the redeeming and surrendering in faith. And I love it. So, but what I think is amazing, God used basically me trying my best to strive and become someone I I really wasn't. Like for instance, my dad was in the military. I wanted to please him. I wanted to perform for him. So I began to have this uh, drive to just please people. And I like to be liked. And I remember finding myself in a place where I'm going to do whatever I can to make my dad happy since I'm not going to make it to the NFL because I had a baby out of wetlock and I was, you know, still feeling filthy about myself and my life. Let me at least please my dad. And I said, okay, I'm going to join the RLTC at University of Central Oklahoma. Then I'm going to go out to army medical school. All that stuff began to happen. And I went out there, but as I'm sitting there uh, in Army Medical School, you know, we would again, I would go off the deep end, you know, going out with the military guys, drinking strip clubs, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm living that life again. But here's uh what really shifted to LA. As I'm sitting, you know, one night after coming back from the, the strip club, I'm going through social media. Here, here's where social media comes in again. Um, and I come across my cousin who's out in LA. He's an actor. He's a model. He's doing amazing things. He was in a movie called uh, The Lucky One with Zac Efron. He was the only yeah. chocolate brother on the screen. He yeah, I, the- <laughs> I was like, dude, now I know what I want to do. Like, forget all this military stuff.
0: You're like, just chasing stuff.
1: He has a lot of likes. Red carpet, yes, chasing stuff. Like, I want to get out there. So again, comparison, envy provoked me to basically go AWOL, leave the military. And I didn't necessarily, you know, they had grace on me. Yeah. Eventually, I'll tell you about that. But I ended up going to LA, packed up everything, finished Army Medical School and went to LA. Wow.
0: I mean, I, I, it is truly the mercy and grace of God because I continue yeah. to see even in your rebellion, because I know more of your story and the listener will soon, um, that he still looked upon you with favor in a lot of ways. Because, I mean, I, I'm going to ask this question because not everybody's going to know, but you become the hype man for yeah. Soldier Boy.
1: Yeah. Eventually. Like,
0: what even yeah. is a hype man? Let, let's, let's let everybody know what that is. Because I know some of my listeners are like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, and they might not even know who Soldier Boy is, but I know who he is. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. They'll know him if they hear the song. That's
0: exactly right. The music world, like you,
1: crank that Soldier Boy. Yeah, (laughs) Superman. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, so a hype man is basically like a glorified host, the MC. He uh, works with in between the crowd and the DJ just to get the crowd pumped for the. The, the the guests, or, I mean, the main artists. And uh, yeah, it's really, it was a really fun time. I didn't and know I could see I you doing. being
0: amazing at that because that's your personality, right? <laughs> yeah. And so really, in some ways, even in this rebellion, you're still getting favor.
1: Exactly. By the grace of God. It was only, he knew what he was doing. I didn't deserve any of it. Matter of fact, I deserve far worse. <laughs> yeah. But he graciously was guiding my way. And You know, and what was miserable about it is because I was being, I was getting really successful on the outside, had a home in the Valley, a G-Wagon, and had the girl of my dreams, quote unquote, at USC that I thought was the girl of my dreams. And I had a lot of social media followers, this and that, but it was all surface level on the inside. I was miserable. Outside, I looked successful though, but I was Mm. miserable.
0: Well, that's the thing. I mean, It's empty promises, it's drugs, it's fame, it's sex, it's, it's money, but those don't deliver Mm. day in and day out. And so you you found yourself brokenhearted from this girl Yeah. and you are like, what am I doing on the point of really suicide at this point? Walk us through that night a bit and kind of what how God came crashing into your world
1: love it yes ma'am so that night was uh it's something where I when I bring it up I can't even fathom like how the hand of God was so strongly on my life because I was wanting to take my life but yet he gave me life that night and here's the beautiful thing um Although I was so uh, broken, and I think this is what someone needs to hear today, like brokenness could be good for us at times, you know? Absolutely. Um, I think about what uh, what, what David, I always go back to him a bit. He said, uh, let these bones you have crushed rejoice. Like sometimes God breaks us in order to save us, you know, it's mm-hmm. a part of his hand and his work. But brokenness is the place I feel where he stops us, he halts us, he kills our progress, to where we get to this dead end and we say that, hey, I'm utterly insufficient apart from him and I need him. Mm -hmm. And this is where I found myself that night. So as I'm in my room and um, thinking and contemplating whether or not I should walk down the hall to get a pistol, um, I I was just like, this is it. Like, I mean, why, what, I mean, I came out here, nothing is fulfilling me. Nothing is um, filling this itch for, satisfaction that I've been craving my whole life, nothing, Mm. the woman, nothing. And uh, so I go down the hall and I go and grab a pistol. I walk back down the hall. It felt like an eternity. And I get on my knees when I get into this dark room and I put this pistol in my mouth. I'm sweating. I'm shaking. I'm asking, you know, like, I'm not asking, I wasn't talking directly to God, but I'm asking myself, am I ready to do this? And two things came to mind. And as I'm putting this gun in my mouth, taking it back out, putting it in my mouth, taking it back out, and I'm thinking about these two things. The first thing, if I were to shoot myself and I were to die, I know that there's this omnipotent, like this, this God who's all knowing, all seeing, who's infinite wisdom and knowledge and understanding. He's loving. Yes. I hear about this. I heard about it, but yet, um, I had to remember that he is a holy God. He's a just God. And am I ready to meet my maker? That was the first thing.
0: Mm.
1: The second thing I thought about is if I were to shoot myself and I were to live, I would have to go through that agony, that pain that I went through when I was a young boy. And I don't want to go through that. When I was a 17 year old boy on the concrete laid on the ground leaking, and I don't want to go through that pain anymore. I know the havoc that a bullet has on a human body I don't want my worst enemy to go through that so yeah I'm in this place trembling and all of a sudden and this is why I love what you do Amber I love what we do as a collective community even people listening in impacting folks online social media all of a sudden my phone lights up Mm. and then I'll look up and I'll go over and pick it up and there's this message from the only Christian girl that I knew and the only uh, girl that uh, really had noticed me that first year and a half and heard my story uh, in a season of my life. And I just remembered her. So I kept following her. But I started to read her posts. And this is what changed everything for me. When I read that, it said this. Oh, how wide, how deep how vast the love of God is, and nothing in all creation can separate us from this love that's found in Christ Jesus. Mm. And I was reading and reading. I began weeping and weeping. I unloaded my heavy soul that night, and I cried out to God, what must I do, God, to know this love that you're talking about in your son, Jesus? Like, what must I do to really not Mm -hmm. only know it or know of it or believe it, but to actually experience it? God, I want that. And um, he met me right where I was in my mess. And that's why I wrote the book, Start Where You Are, like, because he met me not where I pretended where I was or where I wish I was, but right where I was, broken and, and sinful in a dark place.
0: What do you feel like was so different about that time than when you were laying on the concrete?
1: That's a great question. I've never been asked that question before. That's really good. I think...
0: I mean, age I know helps.
1: <laughs> yes, big time. A little bit of. I mean, I hate to say and, that, but it does. Yes, and I think wisdom is almost what what saved me because I had that experience. Mm. You know, I heard someone say recently that where wisdom is high, no, where emotions are high, wisdom is low. Mm. And I think what really helped save me that night is that there was a perfect balance of like emotions but yet the wisdom that God had bestowed on me through the folks that spoke his word over me and even the things I experienced in my past, it was a perfect you know, opportunity to open myself up to the love of God in that moment. I would say mm-hmm. that my eyes were open to taste and, and see the goodness of the Lord in that moment, uh, in that moment when I was in LA, because uh, it was just a game changer for me. Yeah. Like. It wasn't just about emotions, but it was about, you know, my heart being open, you know, to the love of God in the message of Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we don't even know what the end of ourselves actually is. Sometimes mm-hmm.
1: That's true. That's you real- know what I
0: mean? Like, what yeah. where do we have to get to to really get to the end of ourselves? Wow. That is so good. And that's where God's going to say, I'll take you as low as I need to get you Mm -hmm. to get your heart.
1: Wow. (laughs) That is so good. Amber. That is so good.
0: Um, and so you wake up the next day and I mean, you're faced with a choice. Do I continue living this kind of life or do I go and figure out what it's like to walk with the Lord? And so as an adult, I know you, you, it's hard. You can't just give up, um, your career and, and there not be consequences. Right. Yeah. So so is that what you did?
1: Here's, here's the deal. I love that you said that. So what hit me head on, like a semi truck was that an indecision is a decision to not decide is to decide. I had to make a decision whether I was going to be, Christ tells us plainly that we're either for him or against Uh him, And we can't straddle that fence. Either I'm going to say yes or no to him. And I remember clearly, and this is what God showed me when I woke up. I remember going to sleep and then I woke up and then I went over, turned on the light. I put the covers on my head and I was just like, what's next, God? What's next from here? And I remember feeling compelled, this utterance to look underneath the bed. And there was this suitcase I had never seen before. What? Yes. In this home, they would have talents, actors, models, uh, artists, all types of folks that would be in and, there, in and out of there because of my agency out of New York owned that home. And I was just, I happened to be there, right? And I look underneath the bed. There's a suitcase. Er, I crack it open. There's a lot of trash, dirty clothes. But on the top, there's the most priceless treasure. It was the Bible. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yes. And I'm like, this blew my mind. But what took it to a whole nother level is this. I crack open the Bible. i go to the red letters. That was the only thing that stuck out. Now, I didn't really know it was the words of Jesus. Again, I knew uh Jesus had a lot to say in the Bible, but in the Bible pointed to him in a way, like everything is about Jesus when you pick up this book. But I didn't necessarily know those red words were just straight Jesus. But when I read those red letters it says this and i want to read this and it changed everything um it shook me up it woke me up but it said this if anyone wants to be my disciple they must deny themselves pick up their cross and follow me he that wants to keep his life must lose it but he that loses his life for my name's sake shall gain it and this is what changed everything what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but yet lose his soul amen boom <gasps> I was done. I was like, Lord, I'll go wherever you tell me to go. And
0: Okay. So you say like, I'll do it. I'm going to do whatever you want. Does that mean you like resign? I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, being, it's just, I know what that process is like.
1: Here's what happened. Like I only took one bag with me. And I, I took that Bible. Matter of fact, it's the number one stolen book in the world. I stole it that night. I don't know whose it was or that day. And then I got on a city bus and I wrote the city bus for four hours in L.A., throughout all L.A., just, dro- just with them until I got to the station downtown. And when I got downtown and I'm reading the word of God all these hours, just reading it, reading it you know, reading things like many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And, you know, all these uh, amazing profound, you know, wisdom and, and, and nuggets uh, that were transforming me in those moments as I was reading the truth. And as I get to uh, Greyhound station, I was like, I, I felt this inclination, this pull to get on the bus and, and go to Oklahoma from there. And I got on the bus 24 hours, just disconnected from the world through the cell phone, no more voices, but I was listening for the voice of God at that moment, not even knowing wow. and got on the city bus or the, the, the Greyhound bus. And it took us about 24 hours, literally from LA to here uh, to get here. And uh, yeah, I never looked back and matter of fact, sadly, I didn't go out the way. I didn't leave. Well, my agency or, you know, Fabrizio, like the guy who was my agent, I I literally uh, just stopped talking to everybody. And it was, Mm. I didn't know how to like lead directly or explain myself. I just couldn't have to do what the Lord was telling me. And he blessed the yes later. So.
0: Wow. So here's a tough question for you. I can see a little bit of that pattern though, where you don't have quite the amount of fear to just say, I'm leaving it all and I'm going because you also did that in college to go out and chase this other dream. Yeah. And so you've done it this time. And why do you keep staying where you are and preaching the love of God?
1: Now I feel like the words of Peter, you remember when, um, there was crowds that would get around Jesus and Jesus would say things hard, tough things like eat my flesh, drink my blood and things that people were like, what? And they would walk away. They would walk away. Yeah. And then, and then Peter and the disciples came to Jesus and like, like, why are people like leaving and things like that? And, um, and Jesus said, are you going to go too?" And Peter said these words, catch this, they're profound. But he said the, this word, he said, uh, Lord, where else will I go?
0: Yeah.
1: Your words are words of life. Like, I mean, I can't go anywhere. I am a bond servant. Like my life has been laid down. I no longer live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live is by faith in the son of God who loved me mm. and gave himself up for me. So like, I'm, I am I can't. Oh, I know it's Christ, so I can't go anywhere.
0: I <laughs> so, love it. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, because it's yeah. so true, right? Like yeah. you get, I mean, we have these moments, but when you encounter the living God, like not the religion of people,
1: yes, not exactly. the
0: bondage that um, institutions can sometimes put on us, Very but much. the true love of God. Amen. You can't do anything different. You can't. You Even can't. if you keep screwing up, which we all do.
1: Yeah, so true.
0: But yeah, like, I love like, get it. Get up
1: again, son. Get up. I know. I
0: <laughs> Let me We're preaching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so tell me this with the book. You write Start Where You Are. What did you want people to know? I mean, obviously you wanted them to know you need to start where you are. Yeah. But. The message of that, when you're speaking to people right now, somebody who is depressed, somebody who is suicidal, somebody who is anxious, and you say, start where you are. Yeah. Kind of like, what does that even mean?
1: I love it. I love it. So great question. Here's what sort of spurred on uh, this idea uh, that eventually I was able to itemize through a book. But here's what spurred it on. I was working in a county jail. I'm talking people at their lowest, uh, everything from the NBA cheerleader who just got the DUI, wow. whose career is is, is done now. <laughs> and then it would be also the guy who's in there uh, for committing two murders that I would talk to. And when I would talk to these two and bring the message of hope of Christ, like you don't have to have everything together. Matter of fact, the scripture says that he comes for those who are sick and need a doctor who need help, like yeah. and, and who, who, you know, who struggle. And they would say to me, like, do you think like God wants anything to do with me? Like, do you think he wants any dealings with a fragile human being like me? Like yes. they would say these different things. Uh, I'm a mess up. Maybe I'll try one day, but I just got to get myself together type of mm-hmm. thing. And I'm like, no, matter of fact, Jesus said, you know, he, he comes for those who, who don't have it all together. So I was like, trying to explain through this book and my story, God has mercy for your mess. And mm-hmm. no matter who you are, if you're listening in, even today, you're not too broken to be fixed. You're not too unworthy to be loved. And you're not too far to be reached. You know, mm-hmm. God is meeting you right where you are. And, and, and again, it's not where you pretend to be. Like, so you may not even think you, uh, you may not think you need God, quote unquote. And I want to flip it back this direction because there are some folks who who, who say they don't need him. My life is perfect. Why do I need God? Right. And, and I just want to tell you, um, at the end of the day, uh, whenever I really heeded the words of Christ um, and I, I understood what Jesus did for me, how he came to, to die for my sins, one, because I mean, I have lied, I've cheated, I've stolen, I, I've idolize things, put things before God. Uh, Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust, you committed adultery in your heart. I'm guilty of that. All types of things that I'm guilty of, but here's the beautiful thing that wraps it around. God isn't slow in keeping his promises. He doesn't want to see any of us perish, but all to come to a knowledge of his son. And he poured his raft out on his son to be with us, to be with you today, to show you his love and Redeem those things that have caused you to stumble and fall for his yeah. purpose and his great plan for your life. So he has something for you today. And that's Jesus to work and will and do what pleases him. So oh,
0: I love it. And it's so true. And just to bring it full circle. I mean, even when you think about people in those places in jail, like, you know, maybe it is God's bringing you to the end of yourself so that yeah. you surrender to him because we are prideful beings, even the ones people who say they aren't prideful. Yeah. Like, as I started, I used to think I wasn't a real prideful person,
1: yeah. You know,
0: and then I really started doing some heart examination, and I'm like, whatever, most of the root of what we do comes back around to pride, you know.
1: So true, so true. <laughs> I'd be having to have my friends. That's why it's so good to have brothers and sisters in your life that aren't just yes men that you know, Amen. shake, yeah, yeah, yeah on everything, but they can call your stuff out. Yes. Uh, I think it's, I'm so grateful for my brothers and sisters that know me and like, you're being prideful, right? you know, even if they don't yeah. say it like that, they may be saying, are you sure you want to go there? And they may be asking a lot of questions and then the Holy Spirit deals with me. So because right. it's not their job to convict us, but the Holy Spirit.
0: No, but he sure uses us as tools sometimes. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Right. Okay, so Rashawn, as we close out here, tell everybody because on social media where they I mean, I just love following you. You're so full of joy, but it's not just your name. So make sure that you share kind of what your handle is so people who don't follow you can.
1: Okay, sounds good. So Jesus feed on Instagram, Amber. And then uh again, Rashawn Copeland across any platform, but Um, yeah, Jesus feed is the main Instagram handle. And I do have a podcast that I want you on here ASAP. We'll get that set up, but scriptures and stories podcast where you can love it. it.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. If you just put in Rashawn Copeland, you will find him, his books. And of course, when you have a website, it's great. Just go there and you can follow all the places, but I just want you to know, I am so grateful for your voice. Um, I love how you encourage and spur people on towards Jesus and how you're just so kind. And so um, thank you.
1: And Amber, thank you so much. I value and love your voice as well. You've been a huge encouragement, even in the clubhouse space. I I love following you there, but a parallel on Instagram as well. I, I look forward to our journey together, sister. Appreciate you.
0: So who is it that needs to hear Rashawn's story and message? I hope you've been encouraged and motivated to start where you are today and surrender it all to Jesus. I'll see you back here next week when Sheila Gregoire joins me to expose some of the lies Christians believe about sex. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough podcast. Tune in next time!